Retro Rebel Gamecast episode 68 is brought to you by TempleofGeek.com, your one-stop shop for all things geek. You can find all of our episodes and fulfill your sci-fi, fantasy, and geek culture-related needs at TempleofGeek.com. Welcome to the Retro Rebel Gamecast, where we discuss gaming and related topics. Retro Rebel is released every Friday, and you can find this episode and much more by heading to templeofgeek.com, iTunes, or wherever you download your favorite podcasts. You can even find us on Facebook, at Temple of Geek, for exclusive content and to see what else we're up to. My name is Stacy, and with me is my fellow Rebel co-host, Amanda. Welcome back. Hello. I'm back. Gallivanting, seeing the world. That's what you gotta do, man. Part of being European. Well, it does make it easy. I filed for my dual citizenship the other day, so with any luck, in six months I'll be uh, British and American. Well, that will be handy um, when you don't want to come back. Um, oh, stop! Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this isn't a political show. This is about games. What have you been up to? What have you been playing? Uh, Speaking well, of politics, I... I'm just joking. Anyway, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I've gotten to the fourth island on um, on Jurassic Park, and I think I have one more island to go. But so far, I've I've gotten through them all. I haven't four starred them all or anything. It's not as easy uh, to do that as you would think. Um, but I, I have progressed kind of through the story to get to the fourth island. Um, and yeah, I, I'm really enjoying the game. I feel like each island presents kind of a new set of challenges and makes the game like that much more complex. So once you kind of figure out the basics um, and you go to the next island, they introduce like a new challenge um, that you need to address. Like uh, there's no power on the island when you take it over and you need to restore power and stuff like that. And, you know, half the junction boxes are broken or there's a dinosaur on the loose. And, you know, Misery. it's just, uh, yeah, it's, it's quite interesting. I like what they've done with the game and I'm still enjoying it. Uh, and I've been playing a bit of uh, Halo 2 with my brother, kind of going back through that. Um, and enjoying the Master Chief Collection, which just really shows you how much graphics has changed since Halo 1 and Halo 2 came out. I mean, the fact that you can kind of flip in between the versions uh, during a cutscene is just amazing because you can see what it was like, you know, for you, you know, more than 10 years ago and and what it's it's like with kind of updated graphics and it really is amazing that we were all like so awestruck by it when it came out yeah. and now you know <laughs> it just looks so different you know the like it doesn't playing it, it is it makes it hard yeah yeah so it is nice to have the master chief collection i really like what they've done with it and um i really just been enjoying playing that that's pretty much it very simple now uh, you week said for the me. Jurassic Park game I don't know anything about it what you may have mentioned it as well and perhaps I wasn't listening what what a console oh is I see it, how I'm, you are is it an Xbox <laughs> yeah so uh, it's on Xbox I feel like it might also be on PlayStation as well because typically with games based on movies they they go cross-platform right, so I wouldn't imagine that it exactly so um it's I'm sure I've mentioned this it is a Sims based a sim style roller coaster tycoon type yeah Yeah. so um and you progress through the islands and unlock other islands and more dinosaurs and more research facilities and more complex problems and you can make a monorail and like have a monorail going around your park i think eventually i'll be able to make those little orby things that the guests can get into and like warp around the dinosaurs but it's really it's one of the best games based on a movie that i've ever played well, I can't think of a better genre for a movie game tie-in than that, maybe. Um, I mean, it's like the closest might be uh, Sim City for Gotham City. Um, yeah. But even that would be awful um, because it's, it's, it is destined to be destroyed. So, uh, I don't know, maybe that would be... It just seems... That seems like that 
movie lends itself really well to to that genre of gaming and, and the, the sim style. Um, I'm surprised they haven't done it before. Like, yeah. I actually, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong, but I think this is the first time they've actually done this, and it just seems like such a natural fit. Well, you heard it here first. It's weird that this is new. First time. <laughs> Never been done anywhere else. It's the first time it's ever well, been Well, I mean, <laughs> no, I mean, like no, I in think, the Jurassic I think you're Park right. franchise. You know what I mean? Like, I, it makes perfect sense. If somebody said develop a Jurassic Park game, I'd be like, well, what about a game where you control the park? Like, that would have been the, literally the first thing that I would have thought of. So. Yeah. <laughs> but the, if you've ever seen the uh, Mr. Sunday movie, the Car- Caravan of Garbage uh, episode they have on YouTube, they do a Caravan of Garbage of a Jurassic Park video game. It is so terrible. Oh, it's so bad. It doesn't make any sense. And, Isn't uh, there one that was like a Jurassic Park fighting game where the dinosaurs like kicked and punched? I swear I've seen this. There was like a dino something. something. There was a game <laughs> where dinosaurs and and uh, prehistoric apes fought each other. But That's I, so weird. Yeah, I don't. It was a fighting <laughs> game. I don't think it had anything to do with Jurassic Park, but it should. <laughs> so well, that's cool. Okay. Um, I have not played any of that game, but I have. I'm proud to say that I completed, I finished Spider-Man. Um, Holy macaroni, you finished a game? I know. This is, I think it's the second game I finished this year. And maybe the third since we started this whole shebang, this podcast. So. <laughs> <laughs> Which wow, is good. Everyone, I've doubled my breath. output in a year, so... Um, the good news, I mean, I have played a lot of games this year, uh, probably more than I've played in a while. Um, I haven't finished a lot of them, but I do plan on it. Like, I am going to finish God of War. Um, I think now that I, I don't really have anything on the horizon for me to buy, I'm not getting Red Dead. Um, oh. I, I know myself now. I just know. I bought the first one. This one's even bigger. I can't do it. This one, I didn't even finish the last one. I got so pissed every time I got killed by a, a, a cougar. Yeah, I, was, I, just wasn't, I didn't finish the last one either, yeah, but, you know, I rent my games for Supreme Value, That's so right. I will be getting it. <laughs> well, I might rent it, but by the time it's done uploading onto my hard drive, I have to return it, so... Um, oh, stop. I've heard that everybody... <laughs> I've seen memes where people are talking about how they've had to delete everything on their hard drive just so that they can put Red Dead. Uh, yeah, it's like a two-hour... The only thing they have left is Spider-Man. And it's a meme from uh, Spider-Man 3 where Harry Osborn is, that's his quote. He's like, at least, you know, I said, all I have is Spider-Man or something like that. Uh, I it's didn't much know funnier that. When, I'm, well, when you see it. You know? outnamed me. I, uh, I, I accept defeat. <laughs> uh, so anyway, I've played Spider-Man. Spider-Man is one of the best games I've ever played. Um, I think it is, it is, I said this when we, when I first started playing it about a month ago, um, which is pretty good time too, that I actually finished it in a month. What? That's pretty good. I'm impressed. Yeah. Uh, especially because it's not one of those games. It's a game that has collectibles. It's a game that has, uh, you know, there's a lot of achievements that you can get a lot of secrets that you can, uh, you know, that you can find. And, uh, you know, it, it has, a lot of elements. It feels very familiar if you've played Arkham City. You know that's what I. That was the the best comparison I, I I could make and that I made when I first started playing it. But that that there's nothing wrong with that. You know the by the end of it, you're pretty powerful. I I, I leveled up. I found all the backpacks. I found um, all of Black Cat's uh, um, her little uh, stakeout points and and uh, I unlocked every one of the. I unlocked all of the costumes. I did not actually create them all because you have to have resources to create them all. And so I knew that I didn't want to have to invest that much time to create all of them. So I just looked for the ones I wanted to create and then I found the resources to create those. Um, so I got all the ones I wanted. Um, some of them you can actually unlock just by collecting things. So you don't actually have to create create them or use resources for those. There were things that I didn't like about it. There were things, but most of it I, I really, really enjoyed. And uh, it just is cool to be able to swing through the city of New York and it pretty much be the city of New York. It's it's like you go Manhattan. I mean, all over Harlem, all out, all throughout the city, 
and each borough seems separate and has its own kind of culture and atmosphere and people on the street. If you're running down the street like Spider-Man from Spider-Man Homecoming because you don't have any trees or buildings to shoot a web to, which happens if you're in the middle of a park. Um, sometimes there's nothing to connect to. And then you'll hear the people just talking about you or talking about their day. It's it's crazy. It's it's like the world is like a living, breathing <laughs> entity. So it's pretty. It was pretty cool. I really enjoyed it, and I just downloaded the DLC. Um, so uh, you know, I'm looking forward to, to starting that. It's Black Cat. Uh, it's called Heist, I believe. Um, I okay. haven't checked it out yet, but I've heard it's just more goodness of the same. So when you said that people talk about you, the only thing I thought was like, what are they saying? This guy can't even sling a web because well, that's make, the first I think thing they that do I bust your chops. They do bust your chops because you're just <laughs> running on the street. Um, they also are like, call the cops or like, ooh, that's Spider Man. You know, or you know, you can go up and take a picture with them. <laughs> selfie. Yeah, because you do have a selfie. Uh, oh gosh, yeah. no! Yeah, you can you can go up onto the top of the tallest building and take a picture. That's probably for an achievement. I don't know. I didn't do it. Can we like at some point talk about things that just shouldn't be in a game because they are tedious parts of real life? Like what taking do you mean, selfies. Like selfie cams Sorry. In the game Horizon. Oh my god, jeez! Kill it with fire. <laughs> like. There, there's a like a photographic part of Jurassic Park. It's like go and photograph a carnivore. I'm like, suck it. I will not do this mission. I haven't done one of them yet. I refuse. I don't care. I barely take photos when I'm out traveling the world. I don't care. I want to see it with my eyes. That's right. <laughs> that's right. Absolutely. I mean, there's something to be said for that, and that's a different philosophy podcast. But we definitely should. In we can tie it very nicely to a game by just saying. Things that shouldn't be in a game. Uh, yes. <laughs> it has been noted as a topic. <laughs> Tune in next time for things that shouldn't be in a game. That's right. By, by disgruntled millennials. <laughs> um, Elder millennials, I believe right. we are. I would, well, I would, I would, I'm more of a, I'm almost a Gen Xer, so. <gasps> no, for lies, no I'm chance. Don't tell, shh, don't tell anybody. No, I don't believe it. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, nope. <laughs> You're right. I'm I'm on the cusp of both, so mm-hmm. I'm just mm-hmm. dad gamer is what I am. <laughs> Hashtag dad bod. That's right, dad bod. Um, so that's but that's what I've been playing for the most part. I did I have been playing a little bit of Warcraft. I know that in the news, and we can kind of segue to the news here. In the news, it's been uh, reported that the the subscriptions are are slipping in World of Warcraft. So I think it's it is not dead by any stretch. Um, but I do think that it we are we are definitely on the downside. The uh, end the is nigh. Years. We are on the we are in the twilight years of Warcraft, which it makes me sad in a way. I have been playing since vanilla, fourteen years of playing that game on and off. Um, and uh, you know, in this expansion, I I have loved. It has been the most immersive from a story perspective. A lot of times in these in MMOs in any MMO, you almost have to go read another book just to figure out what's going on. Like you, somebody has to write about the story, and you just kind of play the game, and then somebody else fills in all the gaps. and And that's how Warcraft was for the most part. And I really enjoyed that part. I I, I enjoyed listening or or reading about filling in the gaps of the Night Elves and and the story and the dynamic between them and the Worgen and all the different races of Azeroth. But in this last uh, in this last expansion, they've done a tremendous job of just incorporating the story and 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 live or or uh, voice acted characters, so that it, you're just more immersed in the story. And I've I've really enjoyed it. It's the first time they've really done it to this level. Uh, and each one of the zones that you go in have has their own very specific, which they they always did. But it just seemed like in this expansion it was much more interesting. And I think that had to do with the way they did the storytelling. Um, that said, they really have, I mean, nothing else really changed for me and nothing changed that made it any better. It didn't make it worse. It didn't make it better. A lot of people were complaining though about, well, because they, that's what they do. That's what we do nowadays is complain, find something to complain about and then, you know, destroy it. And, um, and they did, they, uh, you know, the, the fans and the, and the forums and the message boards were, were, uh, 
lit up with you know their own uh, constructive would be a, a, a nice way of saying uh, feedback, constructive feedback. But one of the things that they've implemented in this next patch is a choice. It's the first time in uh, maybe any MMO where you make a choice and it is going to affect the re supposed to affect the rest of the game. So if you are if you've been you probably how much do you know really about what's going on in Warcraft, Amanda? Like know? these days, yeah. not much. Okay. I stopped playing after Cata no, after the Panda expansion. Panda expansion. Well, you know who Sylvanas is, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, you know who Vol'jin was, the troll leader? Yeah. Okay, spoiler alert for anybody that didn't play the last two expansions, but he's dead. Um, what? Vol'jin's dead. Yeah, he died um, in Legion, right at the beginning of Legion, gave the... Uh, Gave the mantle of you know of the horde over to Sylvanas for the horde for the horde right. said that he was he was the spirits told him that's who needed to be the leader even though he didn't trust her or whatever I mean that's that's being explained and I think they're doing a good job of kind of keeping their cards to their chest they do have a plan it's just not been revealed yet but she's been the leader but she's been doing some pretty heinous things and so if you were a horde player there's no way you could defend what she's been doing. I mean, she's just been mass genocide, killing people, and then resing them as her own undead. Uh, which, I get it, because that's really the only way you can increase the number of your ranks, is by killing people and then raising them to be a part of your people. Because they're all dead, or undead. But the way she's doing it is not the way of the Horde, which, whatever. Um... There is one of the characters, Sourfang. Verox Sourfang is one of the more honorable orcs. He's been in, uh, he's been with the Horde since the Third War, maybe before that. So in Warcraft Three, um, and uh, he did drink the blood. He is like a green orc. He is, he was, you know, like uh, he aligned himself with Gul'dan for a while. All of this to say. He has tried to mend his ways. He's trying to be honorable. He's trying to get back to the roots of what the Horde was. So right. there is a faction split between Sylvanas and Sourfang. And from what right. I understand, in this next patch, there will be you will have a choice to either follow through with an order that Sylvanas gives you or disobey it and essentially become a traitor. Oh, shit. And so and what happens, doing that, it's like when you split, choose that. It's gonna split the horde faction in general. Just some are gonna go one way, some are gonna go another way. Oh my god, considering that not many people play horde. Right. You know, it's I feel it, it's already gonna uh it'll further it's it's a divisive uh thing. Surely they should have done that alliance side. There are way more alliance players. There they could have split them off into a third faction. That doesn't make much sense from a community perspective, that's my opinion. I agree with you. Um, I don't. But it's know. cool, like it from a cool. concept. But like, surely it would make more sense to have someone like doing the need, like the means justify the end stuff on the good side, and like you know, kind of go like chaotic or you know, like uh, like chaotic evil or lawful evil or something like that. You know what I mean? Like right, just yeah. make that gray shift. Yeah, I feel like. I feel like they should split the Alliance community a bit because everybody wants to be the good guy. Yeah, That's and my everybody's on the Horde side is trying to defend why they're not the bad guy, but you can't right now, not with what Sylvanas is doing. And so mm -hmm. Sourfang is giving the Horde that honor back. You're right, though. They're, they're kind of splitting probably the smallest faction of, you know, the, of, of the two sides of this war and, and, uh, I don't know that they're not going to do something like that for Alliance. Uh, there are a lot of things that they've kind of got in the works um, that have changed. They've kind of changed the rules of uh, kind of what you, the expectations. I guess they're they're subverting them a bit, which is kind of a, a, a buzzword nowadays. Subverting expectations. And it seems like that's kind of what they're doing. So I guess we'll see. Um, that has not been released yet. And so... Um, there are people who are uh, 
you know, pulling that off the PTR and, and trying to, I think, uh, Wowhead is really the first to, to report it. And then other websites are kind of parroting that stuff. So I guess we'll see. Um, I think it's definitely interesting, but I don't know what the end game is and how this is going to overall affect uh, the game. But should be yeah, because like taking it away from the lore for like two seconds, if you've just said that subscriber numbers are down, right. further fracturing the smallest side doesn't make much sense. So I really think that's a strange tact to take. But you know, I'm sure they know best. Well, yeah, you'd think so, or at least think that they have a plan. So, yeah, which I think they do, but we'll see. Uh, some other game news. Uh, so I do have a few things to cover um, that we can run through pretty quick because I know how much you love Nintendo. Oh well, wow! Can't wait. <laughs> Nintendo's online launched last month, and um, and no one cared. Oh yay! <laughs> some people cared. Yeah, I, I actually bought it. Uh, or I paid for it. She it's did. $20. Direct debit, $5,000. Well, <laughs> it's $20 a year. Um, and that's pretty cheap, to be fair. cheap, and that's what I was saying. I mean, for $20, I think there's like 16, maybe more, um, old, you know, original NES games that you can play, and you don't have to download them. You just go online and play them. Uh, you right. can save, you know, where games that you couldn't save before, now you can. And a lot of right. games you just want to jump in and play, uh, you can. Like, I, I jumped in and I just started playing Dr. Mario. I hadn't played Dr. Mario in, I cannot tell you how long. Um, kind of forgot how to play, to be honest. <laughs> At first, nah. You know, I know it's like Tetris, um, but anyway. Uh, Zelda, Tecmo Bowl... Um, they got ice climbers and and uh, a, a lot of games that you can play that you can just pick up and play with your kids or your friends or couch co-op. I mean, it's it's one of the one of the really nice things about it. The drawback is all of these games are hard and man, they just don't age well at all. Uh, some of them age better than others, but in the end, I mean, to keep my attention to continue to play, if I have options like Spider-Man, I'm not going to sit there and play the original Zelda. I'm just not. Um, it doesn't. It's it's just not as much fun. There's not as uh, and that's that, I think that's what it boils down to. So I enjoy it when I'm just sitting there by myself, or if I'm in a, you know, I'm I'm uh, on a trip or something like that. That that's great uh, that I have that option. I, if I can connect to Wi-Fi somewhere, uh, but that's the key too. You have to be connected to Wi-Fi. So it's it's launched. Mm. It's okay. If they don't do a whole lot of changes to it, I definitely will not resub- resubscribe. So. Um, so you paid twenty bucks for like a handful of games that you can only play when you're connected to Wi-Fi. Yes. Correct. I would say that's mediocre. You know, I'm not a big fan of uh, Nintendo generally. That's not horrible. It's not super expensive, but it is only twenty games. Like it's not like one of the other services where they add new titles. All they the do, time. and that's the thing. Okay. But like, they have to add. They need to be adding, and and if they're not going to add, yeah, then it doesn't it doesn't warrant even the twenty dollars, because I can yeah. buy a hard copy of the the games that I actually want from there for less and play them anytime I want all the time. Yeah. And so and and it's a one time purchase instead of you know purchasing it every year and and maybe getting the games I want or just being at their mercy. And, and then at the mercy of Wi-Fi, so. Right. It's it's not bad, like you said. It's mediocre. It's okay. Right now, it's it's kind of meh. And if they make any improvements, it might warrant, you know, continued investment. If not, then you know, I'm I. They, their online store is pretty good. I'm gonna t- I'll tell you this. The online functionality, the Wi-Fi capabilities, uploading and downloading on the Switch is exponentially faster and it's probably because the games are not as demanding they don't have the files or the, the file size probably yeah but at the same time i mean i've downloaded a, a full games that took minutes like i mean less than 10 minutes to download um that are new i mean these are new games that have just come out like doom even though it's a it's a not a remaster but but uh um you know, a cross-platform, 
and I could download that faster on my on my Switch than I could on the Xbox. And I don't know if it's because there's other proprietary files that are being downloaded onto the Xbox that aren't being downloaded onto the the Switch because there's just not hard drive hard drive space. I don't know. Because I know that the PlayStation, if I understand this correctly, they they download it's it's a file some not all the games but some of the games download like a DRM file or something that is that that uh, it doesn't purposefully slow down the process but it it is like it's almost like a Trojan horse onto your PlayStation. Um, it's not meant to be malicious. It's just it's like a it's. It, it's part of the software and it's unnecessary and you still download it. Mm. Uh, I'm, I may be speaking completely out of my behind, but I'm, I'm pretty sure that is the case for some games. Um, I think Ubisoft and EA in particular do that, um, which wouldn't surprise me. Which brings me to yeah. the second piece of news, the, play, the PlayStation uh, Network name change. Which I thought this was interesting. Now, they were the only ones that you really couldn't switch your name. You couldn't change your name. And so all the, the dummies that named themselves something really stupid. Um, and they could never really get rid of that name. They uh, now will be able to change it. Unfortunately, there's a beta out right now. Well, that's not the unfortunate part. The beta is out. People are able to try it. Unfortunately, there are a lot of caveats and warnings. So people who are changing their name, the warning states... You might lose your saves, you might lose your game data, and you may also not be able to retrieve it if you change your name back. Because everything is tied to your name. So, by changing your name, you may actually lose your game information. You may lose your save information, and you may not be able to get it back. Uh, I mean, I hate, I hate to kick somebody when they're down, but it couldn't happen to a nicer group of folks. Well, I mean, PlayStation just has dropped the ball on this completely. They they've dropped the ball on this. Um, they've not they're... been good this year with their the bullshit they pulled around Fortnite. You know, and now this it's. I love that they say that they're for the players, but they are literally doing the worst. Like Sony well, has done. A, they do a lot of things like this. They're doing it with Spider Man and the whole Spider Man property. Um, trying to have their cake and eat it too. They're like, well. Marvel, who's actually figured it out and done it right, did great with Spider-Man. But we're going to do this Venom experiment because we still know what we want to do. And we're going to create this other thing because we want the money. Instead of sharing the wealth and working with Marvel, they want to kind of do their own thing, have their proprietary products. And and that's what having Fortnite on their, on their, uh, on their console exclusively... And then it was not exclusive. And then not only that, but everybody else could play with each other except for you. you yeah. Know, and then they walk that back. And they now walk it back, it, but they don't it, even walk yeah. it back right or well, you know. Uh, and I don't know if it's because of the way that it was originally programmed, but if Xbox could do it and other other companies have been able to figure out a way that you could change Twitter, you can do it. If you can do it anywhere else, I mean, and not lose your information... Obviously, somehow, your name is tied to your security. And so if you change that, maybe that's built into code or something where you're, if you change it, it changes the location of everything that you have. I don't know. I'm not a computer programmer. I'm just saying that if somebody else can do it, make it so. I, I would say, from my understanding of how programming works, and somebody, feel free to comment in, but the reason why that might happen is if the... Um, username was what the PlayStation Network, the system itself, used as the unique account ID number yeah. instead of assigning an account ID, a static account ID number in the background that never changes and just having yeah. that as a vanity. They may have used that as the account ID number, which and is that always sounds like, Yeah, I think that sounds like a more plausible reason and a better explanation it's probably easier to do it that way, especially when you're just starting out and just make everybody, and that's why you can't change it. You know, you put it in there, you input it, and that's that's your identity, um, your digital identity for the PlayStation Network. And so everything else is tied to that, and if you change it, then it does throw everything off. 
I could get that, but that doesn't. That's not much. Not much foresight there. But obviously, they're probably not looking at how they can work with others. They're looking at how they can protect their own. And so, I get it. Just yeah. Obvious. Not very. Not very uh, wise, or not much foresight in all that. So anyway, you like you said, it couldn't happen to a nicer group of people. Um, EA uh, and Belgium are still not seeing eye to eye um, with uh, EA basically saying that we will not comply with with a country's literal laws against uh, their policy that they are going to uh, they're going to continue to to put elements of gambling into their games and uh, they're going to fight it in court, which I imagine this is going to be settled out of court. Um, but I don't know. I mean, th- this may be something that they are willing to fight for, uh, their ability to target uh, the youth and others. And uh, Well, doesn't it, doesn't it make up like $84 million or something in their balance sheets? It, it, so is, they have a, a it is a interest. lot of money. I think it's more than that, actually. Is it may be more than that. Shit? So, so much. <laughs> well, I mean that. I saw a stat the other day, and again, I can't. I'm not going to quote it exactly because I can't remember this the exact number, but it's in the hundreds of millions of dollars for Blizzard, and and the money that they're making on purchases outside of the game. I mean, Hearthstone is exclusively built that way. You know, where you just. Yeah. Buy, you buy the packs, you buy the... You can earn packs, and yes, you can probably get a pack every two or three days. There's no way to get the 2,290 cards that there are in the whole in the whole system, you know. Um, that's going to take you a long time. And, uh, and so people want to, to be able to buy it. And although there is a difference between the two, between what they do in Hearthstone and other games like that, it's subtle. It's... Hair splitting, I guess, to a degree, but I mean, I really do think that it, that's not necessarily a pay-to-win, as much as the, these uh, these other games like FIFA, where you can actually buy cards that improve your statistics, so that even though you may have the same player, their player's better than yours because they have the card. You know, that's that's not fair. So, yeah, and they paid for it. So anyway, we'll see how that plays out, but I still think um, that EA is is garbage uh, for this. And um, and you've I think you've seen um, they've lost I think uh, Jade oh what's her name it was another former Ubisoft employee that basically put Assassin's Creed on the map was working for EA and she just left in fact let me not be completely irresponsible journalist and find find her name real quick um, why did she leave? Jade Raymond leaves EA. Well, they don't say. They're not saying exactly uh, for sure. But if you listen to the kind of funny games daily, they do. A, Greg Miller does a good job of because I think he knows her personally and has had interactions, and he interacts with all of the gaming companies and is kind of the face of uh, for a lot of. Um, I mean, he's all things PlayStation. But um, anyway, he he said. Uh, that she left, and it's not really clear exactly why. Um, I mean, there's a lot of, you could speculate a number of reasons, and and it could be because of some of these related factors. I wouldn't want to speculate and assume, um, but she's she is supposedly very well respected in the field and in, in gaming. And for her to leave voluntarily, not she's not asked to leave, she was leaving voluntarily, that could be an indication of something she does not agree with maybe at EA. I don't. That's as far as I would speculate. But um, so I thought that was interesting. And they they say out of one side of their mouth that they've learned their lesson. On the other side, they uh, continue to do the things that uh, everyone hates them for. So it's like let's figure out a better way to <laughs> to insert loot boxes to make money. Because just like Jim Sterling said, when uh, Battlefront finally took theirs off the market, they basically told their shareholders, this is not going to impact the money that we were planning on making on this game. They sold millions of copies of Battlefront. I have one, and I've never played it. I actually purposefully chose not to install it on my... I got it as a gift, so I didn't spend money on it. 
Um, actually, my son got it as a gift, and I did not spend money on that gift either. And we just hadn't mm-hmm. played it. And uh, right. he hasn't wanted to play it, and I'm not going to uh, install it. And and uh, but I thought that was interesting too. So, um, <laughs> lastly, and just as an aside, I wanted to mention that um, I had no internet last week, so I had no internet. I thought the world was going to end. I mean, there was no telling what was going on outside of my house because I wasn't going to go out there. I mean, everything could be burning. But <laughs> anarchy. It, it could be anarchy. It could be the purge. I had no idea. And so, you know, once we finally got uh, our internet back up, uh, you, know, you know, we thanked the uh, spaghetti monster in the sky for doing everything and making sure that we could get um, our internet back up. But what I learned during that time was how frustrating it is when you cannot access your digital material because it's tied to the internet in any way i had i purchased a i purchased a movie on playstation on playstation network of course and i bought uh infinity war i bought it because the digital version came out you know two weeks early and i I had to have it and i'm a weak person so i went ahead and bought it and and uh, and I've watched it, you know, 20 times probably. But during this time, I could not watch it at all. Couldn't even access it. Couldn't even pull it up. Uh, there were also some other games uh, on. I mean, Fortnite. Obviously, you can't really play if you don't have internet. And and my son learned that the hard way. But uh, there are other games too that you just have to have an internet connection. And I just found it to be. Um, you you feel your feeling of helplessness that <laughs> I mean I and frustration because I purchased these things I, I mean I bought <laughs> Mom, it. I want to play Infinity War again. It was like if if, if I if I buy something that I can only that there's a caveat to and then in the end I mean it it just brought it all to light. I mean we've talked about it on this show before that when when the servers go down for Warcraft it doesn't matter that I bought the game that I've bought a license for it and I bought every expansion it's over I can't play it ever again and yep. uh, so all the money that I had spent on it on everything else and every month that I've played the $14 times 14 years <laughs> whatever 170 months of of playing the game times 14 ugh uh, lots of money. Um, that would be thrown out. You know, that's it. It's just over with. And and so I, I kind of get that. Um, but it definitely made me took a long hard take a long hard look at uh, at digital property. And if I have the option of getting a hard copy of a game or or a digital version, I'm going to go with the hard copy. Solely because I want to have access to it, regardless of my situation. If I can, if I want to play it, I want to, I want to play it. And uh, I get that some of these can be downloaded and put onto a hard drive, but I've lost my power so much over the last couple of weeks with storms. My my uh, external hard drive that I have plugged into my PlayStation has to be reformatted every time it doesn't shut down properly. That would erase every single thing that I have on that external hard drive and then i'd have to do it all over again including any saves including anything it'd just be gone i mean it sounds like you need a proper like surge protector and <laughs> well it's all plugged into a surge protector you know no like you know the kind that has like a like a backup battery that gives you long enough time to turn it off properly it exists it's a thing you should check it out I will check it out. I will. I don't know that I'll get it, but I'm going to check it out. <laughs> what do you say to like a kid when they're like, Dad, can I have this? You're like, I'll take a look. That means no. <laughs> yes. Uh, speak of the devil. <laughs> um, so yeah. So anyway, exactly. So anyway, that's that is my news. I don't have anything else. Did you have any news? Uh, that you wanted to share before we move on to our topic. No, it's been pretty quiet over here uh, in in the gaming world on the other side of the old planet. Everyone's just obsessed with Red Dead Redemption, so there's literally billboards everywhere inside all of the tube stations. Like their marketing budget was immense, really immense. 
But you so, haven't you haven't uh, jumped on no, that bandwagon yet. No, it's on my rental queue. I there there are very few games that I will actually purchase. I actually purchased in Mass Effect. I actually purchased uh, Dragon Age. But other than that, even The Witcher I rented, and I love The Witcher. But I just oh, wow. I have to draw the line. You know what I mean? Because otherwise, yeah. it's very expensive. Uh, oh, I, I completely understand. I've wasted a lot of money on games that I'm not... I mean, you can have my Far Cry if I could give you my digital version of it, but I know you already don't want to play it. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I don't care about that one. I'm yeah. telling you, man, this this 10 bucks a month to play all the games I want, it's the best habit I ever got into. It's just something I will so have to... I, I'm, it's in the notes now. Check out... <laughs> Rental In this service. I think it's called Gamefly. Oh, That's yeah. the one Gamefly. I used to have. Gamefly. Also, if you're listening, love to have mm. you as a sponsor. Um, <laughs> one, the one over here is Boomerang Rentals. Hit me up. You know what I'm saying? Nice. <laughs> Makes sense. I get it. Boomerang. See? I see what they did there. Yeah. Well, the whole Red Dead Redemption thing brings us to our main topic, which is just talking about crunch. And crunch as it pertains to the gaming industry, uh, I think it is very specific. It's not a specific uh, phenomenon necessarily in that there are deadlines for many jobs. You know, uh, many jobs have a deadline that, I mean, for even for, I would say many, if not most jobs, have assignments that have deadlines. And as it approaches, just like anybody who was in school or college realizing that their paper is about to be due, that's when you actually start to work on it. I used, I give my students a hard time all the time telling them, I know you're not going to start on this until Sunday night, so let me just go ahead and tell you what's due, what you need to do, so that you can allot enough time for you to get it done in one night. And Because I already know that's kind of what they're going to do, some of them anyway. But this is on in an, a much more extreme level, um, at least as far as, as it's been reported. Um, people working 60, 70, 100 hours a week, all the way up until the point that a game is finished production and is being released. Um, and then, you know, kind of generally what the culture is, uh, very specific again to gaming, um, a lot of these people are not even... Well, I don't want to get ahead of it. I, I kind of want to just get your impression on, on uh, Crunch, kind of like what's going on, what you've, what, what's been reported so far. and, and uh, Because this story kind of came to a head with the, the head of Rockstar allowing their employees to tweet and post about their experience working for Rockstar. And a lot of it was positive. But then there were some that tried their best to word it in a way that it wasn't negative. So it wasn't not positive? Yeah. Or it was presented, in, uh, negative information was presented with a positive slant? <laughs> right. So, so so what have you seen? What What is your experience and, and, and kind of like, uh, you know, just overall impression of crunch and what it is and, and uh, how ubiquitous it is with gaming in general or gaming game production? So I think crunch kind of stems from the late 80s, kind of early 90s glorification of that like last minute, you know, all night coding session or writing session or whatever. It seemed like the sort of done thing back in the day if you worked in any sort of tech field. Um, I know, you know, it isn't exclusive specifically to gaming, the concept that, you know, people will take lots and lots of caffeine and sit there for hours and hours on end in order to achieve some output by a specific time. That seems to be glorified, however, and it's, in my opinion, counterproductive to what should be a management culture of setting smart goals in achievable timeframes, because what that actually says, if, if you necessitate a culture of crunch, it means that you had presumably either not set enough time to achieve the output from the beginning, or you chose to procrastinate right. and then forced yourself into a crunch period. 
neither one of those things are actually responsible corporate behavior. It should be, in an ideal scenario, an extremely rare scenario where you need to work overtime in order to achieve a deadline. And most of the time, that should be self-inflicted, not cultural. So it should be the case that you procrastinated or you didn't understand the scope or you didn't do the work on time and now you need to stay till 10 p.m. in order to finish it. That happens, I think, in every sort of job, but it shouldn't be the case that management didn't set good expectations or management didn't encourage you to hit achievable milestones that would get you to the correct output. And then now they are telling you that you need to stay. That's a very different perspective. So I would say, in my opinion, in the gaming culture, it seems to be coming down from management and a cultural expectation in the workplace that this is the done thing. But it shouldn't be the done thing. That's weak management. That's poor milestones. That's bad KPIs. Like, that isn't how people should be managed. And I feel like it happens that way because people in the field come up through it. And it's kind of like a hazing scenario where that's what happened to you when you were a junior. And now that you're, you know, the boss, that's what happens, you know? Right, right. And, and it's just the expectation, just because we do it doesn't mean it's right. Or just because it's done doesn't mean it's right. Exactly. And I can appreciate, I know, uh, I think it was the guys from Rockstar, and they were saying, well, this is mostly just the senior writing uh, senior writing team, including myself. That's right. all well and good, and it's great to like lead by example or whatever. But I really find it hard to believe that when you have such an ambitious game, that you weren't capable of setting, you know, smart goals in order to achieve the output. You knew when you wanted to launch this thing. And there's been many months and years in between getting the green light on a funding perspective or, you know, from the investors or however that works all the way to the finished output. I just don't believe that that, that planning couldn't have taken place. I think it doesn't take place to a certain extent. I think um, it should be it should be part of their game development philosophy to hit these roadblocks sooner so that they don't run into a crunch period. If you know that writing is something that you always come down to the wire with, well, then maybe do the evaluation, do the QA testing, do whatever it takes to get to the point to identify that sooner. Like, surely yeah. that's the step to take. Hire more people, hire more testers. Like, right. you know, have have a bit of respect for yourself, your body, and the people that work for you because it's a law of diminishing returns. When people work that long, that by the end of the week, their work output is pretty much pointless. Yeah, and they've said that. I think that's been. Yeah, I think that's been uh, cited by many sites, by many um, websites, and many reports that that you know that if they if when given the opportunity or given proper rest, and, and this works for everything from exercise to computer programming, that if you that quality over quantity, if you get quality hours in versus the quantity of hours in, you're going to be more productive. That you may be there, but the diminishing return eventually, you will not be getting any work done <laughs> if yeah. you're there long enough. You know, not anything good. Then you're going to have to go back in and probably redo it anyway. You know, so. One of the and things I think, that you, what's that? Sorry, I, I was going to say, I think that building a culture of presenteeism where the amount of hours that you spend there doing things matters more than what you're actually getting done kind of contributes to the problem. And, you know, I that's actually quite prevalent over here. Uh, you know, oh, so-and-so comes in before the boss and then stays like two hours later. Oh, isn't he such a good worker? But I really feel like you should be able to get all of the work that you're assigned to do done within your assigned hours. And if you can't, then you're not working efficiently enough or then you're trying to do too much. You know, there really there shouldn't be this case where people are like, oh, look how dedicated Billy is. He works 60 hours a week of which he only gets paid for 40 hours a week because he's salary, you know, like (laughs) 
I, I really feel like people aren't getting unpaid overtime. I think that's probably a bit of a demonization. I think they probably just make salary. And unfortunately, the nature of salaried work is, is that every minute after 40 hours, you are devaluing your own work output because right. you are now getting paid less per hour as every minute ticks by. So, right. you know, I, no, I think it's bad. <laughs> That's a good point. I mean, and, and I think it, it is prevalent in many jobs. Like I said, um, for instance, I mean, mine, I don't know how your, how your industry really works outside of the office, but I know for me, I, my job doesn't end when I leave the, the campus. So like, um, if I'm, if I think of an idea, part of my job in, in scholarship and research is to read and write outside of, you know, my, or within my field. Now, a lot of that takes place outside of the class, off campus, at my home. That's, that's where that work ends up taking place because I, I can't always do it on campus. And I'm constantly trying to figure out new ways that I can engage students, new ways that I can apply whatever my field and discipline is to my students. And so that's, that job never ends, to be completely honest. I mean, that is something that happens all the time. Uh, whenever I'm awake, sometimes when I'm not awake, I'll dream about it. <laughs> and so it's, it's, uh, it's like a never ending thing. And so I kind of get it to an extent, but the difference for me is there isn't really a deadline for that necessarily. It's like I, I can set when I want to submit a paper, uh, for the most part, you know, there are deadlines throughout the year, but I have plenty of time to, to plan accordingly to, and if I miss this deadline, well, there's another deadline and I can turn it in then. So I don't feel the, I don't, I don't ever really get to punch out per se, but I also don't feel the crunch, you know, so I, I can continue to work, uh, take rests when I want, you know, um, take a break here and there, maybe even take this year off of research or writing because I want to focus on something else or some other component. I think the difference here is, like you were saying, this the deadline may be uh, may be set uh, in a, in a it may be set by upper management and be unrealistic. And so one of the ways that that management may react, and this is what I've read anyway, and seems to be the case for many companies, they will hire more QA testers, they will hire more writers, and then as soon as the game ships, they all are fired. You know, and the, and the and the reason that they hire all these individuals, like you said, is because we need them to get this game out when it needs to get out. But we cannot sustain this payroll. You know, so instead of changing the way they plan, the culture has them hire more people than they would need on a regular basis, so that they can meet the deadline. And then they let them go. Seeing the resumes of a lot of these individuals. You see them with a two-year stint at this company, then a three-year stint at this company, then another two-year stint at another company, and they are just kind of—it's this revolving door. And a lot of them, that's just the nature of—that's just the culture of that industry. Uh, you know, is that you're not necessarily uh, at any one place for a long time, and if you are, that that seems to be not the norm. You know, the norm is to work at multiple places. Um, I mean, is that what you've seen, or? Well, that, to be fair, that seems to be kind of the norm over here as well in any like youth dominated field. In fact, since I've moved over here, I've never been at one place longer than two years. Never. So, and it, it it's just kind of like the only way that you're going to make any more money is by moving somewhere else. Right. Or, you know, sometimes they hire a new role that they've never had before. You do whatever processes they want you to do, and then they make you redundant because that role was more a project-based thing, yeah. which is quite common. And I feel like that's fairly similar to what's happening. But what I don't understand is these are huge production houses. Like, contract placements exist. Why would you hire someone on a presumably permanent basis full-time when you know that you're not going to need them, why not give them the upfrontedness to say this is a nine month contract with the option to extend a further six months if we miss the deadline or whatever? I feel like people could better plan their lives and they wouldn't be heard about it if that's what happened. Because I you think set maybe it up. because it's harder to fill those positions with quality individuals. I, I'm willing to bet that that has a lot to do with it. 
but I think that is the that is the the fix. That's the that is maybe the the long term fix, um, or maybe the short term fix. And the long term fix is is to fix the culture, to figure out how. I don't know that Blizzard does it right, but I know one thing that Blizzard does is they don't, they never that that I can remember in the last twenty years, they don't give you a date necessarily. The first time that they've given a date for a release was for this latest expansion. I haven't. That's the first time I've heard them actually give a date that far out in advance and say this is when it's going to be released. And it was for it was like yeah. eight months in advance um, of when it was going to be released. And so to me that was unheard of. Typically, and the 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 company line was it'll ship when it's ready. You know, when yeah. it's done, you know, we'll release it. That's the way it should be, you know. Don't don't give us some date and then everybody gets excited and then there's all the speculation and everybody's trying to figure out what the game's about and all the spoilers and blah blah blah. And in the meantime, behind the scenes, you've got people who are breaking their backs and uh, to try to get it out by that deadline because this arbitrary date that we set, we we want to ship it here. Obviously, there's a disconnect, and um, and between the people who are actually doing the work and the people in upper management that maybe don't understand or don't care the mm. process. Um, I don't know how to, I don't know how you fix it though. You know, do you, I mean, do you, in terms of, in terms of like short term band-aids or long term, do you, what do you think would be the best way to approach this to try to maybe alleviate the pressure, change the culture? You know, what do you think they should, the gaming industry should do to to make crunch something of the past i think that they should upskill their management first i think the actual management training is valuable it is important i think time management sounds like something that they're struggling with so you know teaching managers how to enforce time management and teaching workers how to self-regulate so that they don't get into those situations is one and then setting KPIs to make crunch times a negative thing, to yeah. make sure that you have your workers clocking out on time more often than not, and yet still hitting their deadlines. That's yeah. how it should function, because people need work-life balance. You absolutely have to have it, or you're going to yeah. be miserable. And you know, lots of people like to glorify a workaholic culture, but the reality of it is, there's nothing to be proud about when you're sacrificing your outside interests and your outside relationships for, let's be honest, something that isn't going to cure cancer. You know, like it right. is a game at the end of the day and as good of a game as it could be. I really feel like it when you look back on it as as part of, you know, whatever organization you are, when I look back on the times that I had to stay late to do something for one reason or another. I'm not proud of that. And the work product is not that important many years on. You know, it seemed like a big deal at the time, but, you know, it isn't really. So I feel like if they set KPIs that say, right, 50% of our workforce clocked out on time every single day in the last month, you know, more than 80% of the time, that's one step in the right direction. And if they set more realistic expectations for their shareholders and their customers by saying, you know, we're we're going down this path of making sure that people have a good life while they're making our games, so it's going to be another year, chill out. I feel like right. people would understand, you know, um, and, and I think that would be the first step. And then being more transparent with your contracts, maybe you know, developing more of a skill share environment where you have a pool of writers that work for every game that you're doing and you can, you know, kind of push and pull them in directions as you need additional talent on additional games that are closer to launch. Um, I, I think is possible, you know, as someone who coordinates several different internal and external stakeholders to create printed materials, I can say there is there is always going to be a challenge for the person who puts it together in the end to get that consistent tone. But if that person is internal and the rest of people are basically like a pool of kind of mutable talent and they know that's what they are and they're paid fairly to do that and they have job security in that if they're done with this project, they go to the next one. And that succession plan is sorted in advance. 
then I, I think the industry will sort of recover from this sort of thing, much like I feel like the tech industry has become healthier over time. You know, right. in the 80s and 90s, like the tech industry actually had a fairly bad reputation for its just general similar culture. Yeah. yeah, similar stuff. And I feel like now that's not really a thing. Now it's kind of gone the other way where it's more about fun and more about work-life balance and more about, you know, wellness and getting a good product with people that are happy to make it. Right. Um, and I think that's what the game industry needs to do. I think they just, I, I think you hit the nail on the head really that, and, and I think that the gaming industry is almost, it's almost as old as the tech industry. Um, I think that the tech industry probably somewhere in the nineties, two thousands came under fire for their business practices. And because it was brought to light, then change happened. I think that the gaming industry hasn't evolved yet. It hasn't reached that point, and this may be the the turning point for the gaming industry to recognize and to adjust. Uh, one of the things that I listened I listened to a podcast about Telltale's uh, demise and um, how to oversimplify things. Basically, upper management and those the guys that make all the money in the company felt that they had found the holy grail with Telltale's uh, The Walking Dead, that, they, that right. they got the formula right. And then they did to a certain extent. It's a great game. No, but... absolutely. Yeah, they absolutely did. The problem is, is they didn't, they didn't, they didn't evolve from there. They, they kept that same formula and didn't iterate on it. Like there was no there was no evolution. There was no changes. They didn't try to tinker with it and make it better. They took the same engine and the same basic format and tried to apply it to multiple properties. And what they ended up getting is buggy, sometimes functional, sometimes not. Some things that flowed, some things that did not. Uh, and and they tried to capture lightning in the bottle with each one of their the, the subsequent releases and they were like you know we we got it here so all of these should also be that way and unfortunately they didn't sell and because of that they had already like tripled maybe the the size of their team to start churning out more and more and more uh content which is great if you're you're putting out content that that not only that people really want as well you know i mean the the batman was great the batman but it didn't sell and batman usually sells and it didn't even get close to the walking dead so uh you know i i think that um maybe this is going to bring it all to light that those in charge are going to see that uh, that there is a better way to do that that this that this whole industry can evolve and, and create a healthy work environment. There are there are always I, I, I firmly believe there are always going to be industries where and and times where in your job you are going to have to work a little more than maybe you signed up for. Um, that you're going to have to go in on a day that you didn't want to. That you're going to have to work at home a little bit. Um, I, I think of right now athletic trainers in the states. Uh, who work for you know universities and they are at the field house. They don't get paid that any extra to go up to the field house at five or six in the morning to make sure that everything is there. They start taping and wrapping athletes. The game takes place sometime in the afternoon. All the athletes come back and have to be treated, and they don't go home until night. And if it's a, a game where they actually traveled, they have to travel all the way back, treat the athletes, clean up the the field house, and then leave and be back the next day. That's like a twenty hour day. Yeah, you know, and so they're getting home at one or two in the morning, and they got there at five a.m. Uh, you know, and they're not getting paid any more for that, and that's just that's part of that particular job. I don't I don't know what to do about situations like that. I don't know if it's just supposed to be shrugged off, or uh, you know, much like like crunch. Maybe they'll find a way to kind of bring that into the fold. Where it, I don't know. I, I, but I think that your your insight really it would go a long way. I think maybe evolution is coming to the industry, and maybe they'll maybe we'll. I think we solved it. Anybody that really wants to know how to fix crunch, if you'll just listen to Retro Rebel episode sixty eight, I think we. <laughs> I nailed it. We, we can all we go home it. now. Just like always. I mean, just like always, everything is is fixed now. 
Um, and it's if so like easy. Different... Why didn't they think of it? <laughs> Why didn't they think of that? I'm telling you. I, I just, you know what? Sometimes it takes, an, a, you know, an, an external set of eyes on a situation <laughs> just to fix things. So. Of course. Throw that of right course. out. Of course. Well, that wraps up this episode of Retro Rebel Gamecast. I want to thank Amanda for this week's discussion, as always. All the notes from this episode will be posted on our site, templeofgeek.com. And I promise they will be good. If you'd like to add to the discussion or reach out with questions, sound off in the comments or email us at retrorebel at templeofgeek.com. If you like what you hear, head over to iTunes or wherever you download your podcast and subscribe so you'll be sure to get each episode as it's released. And rate us, because that really helps our show. Until the next time. See you later.